Hello and welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. One of the most difficult situations for some people to be in is when the majority is saying one thing, but in your heart you know the opposite is true. That's the situation Joshua found himself in this week, and let's see how he responded. Well, hello, friend. Welcome back to the podcast. As I said in the intro there, we are talking Joshua. This is week four, the final week in our mini-series on the making of the man Joshua. And I have enjoyed this study. I hope that you have. I I just was studying Joshua, and I come, started coming across some of the early scenes in his life. And actually, I was reading a book on it, and I never got past the introduction to the book because I got bogged down on some of these early scenes in Joshua's life. We saw, first of all, in in week one in Exodus 17, we saw Joshua the warrior. And he learned there, watching Moses with his arms raised, and later Aaron and a man named Hur helping prop up Moses' arms. He learned in that scenario, learned in that situation of life, that victory is always possible, but... It depends on our faith and obedience. Victory is always possible because of God, but it does require faith and obedience. He was winning the battle as long as Moses' arms were up. At the moment Moses' arms began to sag, and then he would lose the battle. And, and he learned something about faith that day and obedience. But then the, in week two, we fast forward a little bit, and we were in Exodus 24, and that really, that scene goes all the way through Exodus 33, verse 11, which was the main verse that we were discussing. And I love that, that passage. And in that text, Moses is inside the tent spending time with God, and, and Joshua happens to be there. And the presence of God was so real and so amazing, even the people outside of it could see, and there was a cloud that would come over this tent, and and whenever Moses would go into the tent or come out, they would stand and arise. And as Moses was leaving, he turns to Joshua, and Joshua said, it says that he departed not. It's like Joshua just said, I, I'm going to stay right here. I want to continue to experience this presence of God. And Joshua learned about the presence of God. And there was a great lesson in that, and I encourage you to go back if you haven't heard that one. But then in week three, in Numbers chapter 11, verses 24 through 29, we saw that Joshua learned, he, he was loyal. There's no doubt about that. Joshua was loyal to Moses. He was a loyal servant, but he learned some humility here because remember in that scenario, there was the, there was the 70 elders, the 70 people that Joshua had called out to, excuse me, that Moses had called out to help him. God had, he, Moses had poured his heart out. There was some early stuff there that we dealt with. With Moses, I think is helpful to leaders. But God said, "Hey, raise up these seventy guys, call them around, and have them circle the the tent there, and and they're going to prophesy." And 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 sixty eight of them came and obeyed, but the other two stayed back in the camp, and then they got to prophesy as well. And remember, Joshua was fired up, and he said, "You need to forbid this." And Moses said, "No, not going to do it." And Joshua learned a lesson there. He was loyal. Like to see that. But he learned how to handle some rebuke, and he was humbled. But this week we're going to come to the familiar passage, the one that maybe if you've maybe maybe some of you the Bible's new and that's fine. 
But if you're somewhat familiar with the Bible, you probably were somewhat familiar with the spies, the 12 spies. If you went to children's church as a kid or junior church, you would sing the song that 12 men went to spy and Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good. You may have sang that song. That's where we're going to be today. And in, in Numbers chapter 13, it says in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, and every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. So notice that the person that they're going to send, and then I think I need to back up and just make sure you understand the context, but he said, I want you to choose men. They're going to be a ruler among them. So among the people that they are, these men are going to be rulers. And then he goes on in verse 3 and he says, And Moses, by commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. So these guys were not just some slouch guys. They were prominent men. They were called rulers in one place. They were called heads over their tribes in another place. So these were some special men. And God told Moses, I want you to call out some men from these tribes, and you're going to send them into the land of Canaan to spy out the land. Now, where are we at? Just to make sure I catch you up now. If you're new to this study, I, I do encourage you to hit pause, maybe go back, listen to lesson one, two, and three. But where are we at in context? you got to remember, Israel, for about 400 years, were, they were slaves in Egypt. Moses has come. And we had the 10 plagues. Moses, the death of the first one was the final one. Pharaoh said, get out of here. They left. And then Pharaoh changed his mind. He chased them. They came to the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. Israel escaped through on dry land. As Pharaoh and his armies were pursuing, God caved the waters back in on them. They died. Now Israel is free from Egypt. But they've been complaining and they've had a bad attitude and they've wanted they've they've whined many times saying we should be back in Egypt we should be back in Egypt but here they are and God says I want you to go and spy this land this is the land that you're going to live in this is the promised land you need to go spy it out and he says choose 12 men they're going to be rulers the heads of the tribe so the reason I build that up, every time I teach this, this passage, I build that up because these were special men already. And I always go to this. Because if I were to name these men, and I can't even pronounce their names, so I'm hesitant. I'll try on a few, okay? If I were to name these men, like of the tribe of Simeon, there was this guy named Shaphat. The tribe of Iskachar, there's a guy named Igal. And the tribe of Benjamin, there's a guy named Palti, and of the tribe of Zebulon, there's a guy named Gadiel. There's names like that, names that you've never heard of. We don't name our kids these names. We don't even name our dogs these names. We we don't know these names. You may say, well, is it because these are Hebrew names and different names that we don't name? Well, maybe, but there's other there's two others that we do: Caleb and Joshua. Now, actually, in this text, he's called Ashua. And you see later in verse 16 that Moses changed his name to Joshua. But those are the only two names we recognize. Why? Because they were, in my opinion, the only two men that were courageous. Now, again, I've got to emphasize this. It's not like these two guys, these other 10 guys were just some guys that were sitting on a couch eating potato chips, had grease running down their beards, 
And then Moses like, hey, I need your help. And they, they just got in there and they were, no, no, these were heads of the tribes. These were rulers. So I'm getting my head ahead of myself. So let's get back. What were they going to do? They were going to spy out the land. Verse 17, and Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is and the people that dwelleth therein whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what is the land, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be of good courage, and bring the fruit of the land now the time was the time of the first fruit grapes. So he's sending them out to do this. And you say, why would he do it? Number one, God told him to. But number two, it's just good strategy. If you're going to be going to war with some people, yes, you have God on your side, but you need to strategize. You still need to have a plan. And God, again, refer back to point one, God told him to. And so they go into the land, and, and they're in the land for 40 days. They're to go in and kind of spread out and, and to spy out this land for 40 days. And it says in verse 25, and, and they return from searching out the land after 40 days. Okay, so what is the report? That's what you're there for. You're there to report. What's the report? And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation, everybody's around, to the children of Israel, to the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought back the word unto them, and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. So they first they come back with this great big old fruit they're carrying. And people are like, oh, look at that. That's amazing. And they told them and said, we came into the land where thou sentest us. And surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit thereof. What does that phrase mean? It means like it is great for it. We could, we could plant crops there. Everything is going to grow. This land is perfect. And I can imagine the congregations looking at each other going, yes, this is awesome. This is great. But then they say this, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the giants and the Amalekites dwell in the land in the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So you can Everybody went in the crowd, and I'm going to show you why we know this. The crowd went from excited, like, yes, when they hear about the fruit of the land and its flows with milk and honey, to now when they mention, oh, the, they got strong armies, and there's giants, walls, and the people got anxious and scared. How do we know? Because Caleb, in verse 30, it says, and Caleb still the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. So the people started getting restless a little bit and getting nervous. And Caleb said, hey, whoa, whoa, let's go. Let's go right now. Let's go fight them. We're well able to do this. He understood that we have God on our side. He said, let's go. But verse 31, negative Nancy's come back out. Remember, these were rulers. These were noble people, not couch potatoes. And they're scared. They're the leaders of their tribes, and their tribes are now scared. After Caleb tried to steal the people, it says, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean 
We can't do something. What do you mean they are stronger than us? Did you not see our God? Do you forget who we worship? Yes, they did. Now watch this, verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched into the children of Israel, saying the land through the, through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw are in it are of great stature. And there we saw the giants and the sons of Anak which came, and the giants, and we were in their own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Hold on a second. This evil report got me. I was reading this. And I, and I was thinking about this evil report. Why is this report evil? It's only evil because they focused on the problems instead of the promises of God. That's the only reason we could describe this as evil. If you, if you focus yourself on the problems, of course it's going to be evil. Of course you're going to hate your life. Of course you're going to think you can't overcome. But if you, if you put your focus back on God, you understand by faith and obedience, which Joshua has already been learning, and he's going to stand by Caleb here in just a second. But faith and obedience, God, we can overcome anything. They're, we've got to get our eyes off the problems and get it back on the promises of God. But the majority of the people were not. God didn't send them in there to bring back this negative report. God said, just go spy out the land and come back. But now the people are so focused on the problems, they've totally forgotten about God and his promises. And so after that evil report, it says all the congregation, now the people that didn't go, they lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. They just kept crying about this. And now the children of Israel do what they always do. It says, and the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said, I bet you can't guess, if you're listening to this podcast and you've been following along, I bet you can guess what they're getting ready to say. I know you probably don't have your Bible because you're sitting in your car, you're driving, you're exercising, but you could probably guess right now what they're getting ready to say. And the whole congregation said to them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in the wilderness. They just want to go back. We wish we were back in Egypt. So we wish we were slaves, miserable, working hard. These people, are, they're focused now. All they're seeing is the problem, and they fail to focus on God. They fail to even acknowledge God. They don't even say his name. They don't even reference back to say, you know, God did promise. No, none of that. All they focus on is the problem. And I'm going to stop here for application. Sometimes in our lives, that's all we do. All we do is focus on the problems of our life and we replay them over and over and over and over and over in our mind and we wonder why we're depressed. We wonder why we're struggling in our faith. We wonder why we don't read our Bible. We wonder why we don't spend time in prayer because all we can focus on is the problems, the problems and problems. And instead of focusing on the problems, maybe we need to get back to God. Instead of replaying the problems, get a journal out and start writing promises of God to dwell on. It comes back to it. what is always a theme on this podcast is our mind. We've got to get our mind right. And when your mind is only absorbed with what could go wrong, you fail 
to think your your body is going to respond to that. But we need to get our minds focused on the promises and the goodness of God. So they complained and whined. They even said in verse 4, let us make a captain and return to Egypt. They wanted to get a new captain, throw out Moses, which is always the case when they get upset. They want to make a new captain and just return back to Egypt. So Moses and Aaron, as good leaders, it says in verse 5, they fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation, the children of Israel. They, they're, they're just broken over this sin, and they're just falling down on their faces. But then I like verse 6, and Joshua. So now we see Joshua. Caleb's been the vocal one so far, but Joshua was by his side. It says, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to search it, is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it us. The land which floweth with milk and honey, only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord, I love this, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. These men took a stand. You know, it's so hard, as I said in the opening, when the majority of the people is is in opposition to what you're doing. I look at our society today. I know yes, yesterday, is a, as of when I'm recording this, was election day and, and midterms. And, and I look at our society. I was listening to some podcasts dealing with some cur- culture issue, cultural issues that are facing our day. And even the guy that's a conservative on the podcast, he said some of the stuff is just we're not going to be able to win back. He said it's just it's just a it's just a tidal wave of trends and and when you have the you have your news sources that big institution and you have all of the big institutions. You may not have the majority of people, but the big institutions that are supporting. He said it's just hard to overcome it. And what he says is not necessarily totally wrong, but. When the majority or seemingly majority is opposed to you, it's so hard and discouraging to want to take a stand. But these men did. They said to him, hey, don't rebel against God. God is able to give us victory. He's going to give it to us. These people that they were once saying that we look like grasshoppers in their sights, they're saying they're like bread to us. They're nothing. Let's go. Let's trust God. But... Verse 10, all the congregation bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. So the people wanted to kill Joshua and Caleb. That's how strong they were against this. And I admire Joshua and Caleb for their courage to stand. And God's going to reward that. I'm not going to go too much further in this story um, because Joshua kind of, this that was his stand. And I what I admire about him in this early day is he took, he took courage against the majority. He chose faith and promises of God over the over the problems of the day. Yeah, he could have gotten bored and said, you know what, you're right, this is going to be difficult. Man, there are, there are some walled cities, there are some strong people, there are giants. This is going to be pretty tough, I don't know. No, but he went, he acted on his faith. And God is going to end up punishing Israel. They're going to wander in the wilderness. They're going to, some of them are going to die. Moses is going to intercede again, which is what he always does. He prays for the people, God, he, just a godly leader. But it says in, in chapter 14, verse 38, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search, search this land, lived still. 
And later it's going to be announced that Joshua and Caleb will be the only ones of that generation that will get to go and see the promised land because of their faith. Everyone else is going to die in the wilderness. They will not be able to go. Then Moses is going to commit a sin at the end of this period in which God's going to say, Moses, you're not even going to get to go to the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb will. And this is the fourth instance. It's not the final time his name's mentioned, but it's the last major time it's mentioned. I'll give you some others real quick as I wrap this up. Later on in Numbers, there's a ceremony in which Joshua is ordained to be the next, the successor to Moses. And that's in chapter 27. Chapter 32, that's when it's kind of declared that Joshua and Caleb will name the only members of that generation that's going to go into the promised land. Chapter 34, Joshua is given authority to distribute the land once he gets into the promised land to the different tribes. But then in Deuteronomy, he's mentioned a few times. He's again mentioned that he's going to inherit Canaan. He's Moses encouraged Joshua and he encourages all of Israel to remain faithful to God and reminds him of God, what God has done in the past. But then in the last one in chapter 31, which is a, which I think is an emotional one, it's a powerful one. Moses knows he's not going to be going into the land at this point. Joshua is. And Moses publicly charges Joshua to be a courageous leader. And it, it, it reminds me, I don't know this 100%, but Moses told him there to be a courageous leader in Joshua chapter number one when he actually does become the leader of Israel, which is what we've been building to. Moses has died. God multiple times tells him, be courageous, be courageous. That makes me wonder. It's just wondering, okay? Just wondering. Makes me wonder. Did Joshua struggle with worry? Now, when I look at this text today that we talked about, I don't know. I mean, he stood up to the majority. He had great faith. But he was constantly told later, hey, have courage, have courage. It tells me this. There's a fine line between fear and faith. And, and what what makes the difference is not that some person has no fear. I think Joshua had fears. I think he looked at those giants and there was some fear. I think he looked at the walled cities and there was some fear. But the fine line between fear and faith is faith overcomes the fear and takes action anyways. It's The fear's still there, but I'm going to act on my faith and not on my fear. Everyone else in this text, except for Caleb, acted on their fear and they said, we will not go. We actually will rebel bell against God because we fear those problems up ahead so much. I think Caleb, at least Joshua, maybe not Caleb, he seems pretty bold, but at least Joshua, I think he feared. But I think he trusted God more than he trusted his fear. And he said, I'm going to move forward in faith. And God honored and rewarded his faith. Hey, we've spent about four weeks just looking at the making of this man, Joshua, just a short little mini series, but I hope it's been a help to you that Joshua was just an everyday man. He was loyal. He was a servant. He did become a great warrior. But God honored his faith and obedience. God molded this man into who he wanted to be. I don't think you as a podcast listener are going to probably lead millions of people one day. Probably not. Maybe you will. If you are, great, wonderful. Donate back to the podcast, all right? But I doubt it. But I do think God has a plan for you. It may be leading your family, and that can be a fearful thing. It may be taking a stand at work. It may be being a bold witness. Whatever it is, leading your church. 
Allow God to mold you and make you into what He wants you to be. And learn from those lessons. Don't run in fear. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, thanks for sticking around for the ramblings. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. I didn't mention anything yet, so let me tell you now. Boy, this last week I got to go to the Sight and Sound Theater. My wife took, uh, I say surprise, because initially it was I just a surprise I found out about months earlier. But we went to the Sight and Sound Theater and we watched David, the production of David. And it was awesome, absolutely awesome. Uh, so many great parts in it. Um, they, they just, I thought they did a great job with the character of David and who he is, David and Goliath, that scene, absolutely amazing. And, uh, so I'd encourage you, uh, you're running out of time because I think it ends on December 31st. So jump on a plane today, go to Lancaster, Pennsylvania and watch it. All right. It's not playing in the one in Branson right now. That's something else. Get yourself over to Lancaster, Pennsylvania and watch it if you can. You can actually get it on video and watch it. And I don't think it'll be the same, but you could. And uh, it's it's just very good. And when it comes back out, because it's going to have to, it's so popular. When they bring that show back, you got to get there and see it because it is amazing. Uh, I was encouraged by it. And I hope to, maybe I'll revisit David's life and talk a little bit more about him. But that's it for this week. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. As always, I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you just subscribe, whatever you're listening to right now. If you haven't done this yet, hit the subscribe button. That's all you have to do is touch it. Just tap the button. And it just makes sure you get all the new ones. And it does help. And then if you want to go a little deeper level, hit re- hit a review. You can either just tap a star, preferably five, or you can actually write a review. All of that helps with what I call the algorithm that allows more people to know about the podcast. And, it, and a lot of people nowadays think about it. Even when my wife goes to do anything on Amazon, she checks the reviews, checks the reviews. If she was buying a notepad, she would look at the reviews first. So when you leave a review, it does give some... Um, some even though someone doesn't even know who you are, it's like, hey, this person says it's good, so I'm going to listen. It may be helpful, and then maybe it will help them. So I encourage you to subscribe, review, and then I want to encourage you to subscribe to the email newsletter. It's something different. I don't even like the word newsletter. It's like an email devotional that I try to write each week. And I'm going to add more value to that. I usually give some, try to give a, a explanation of a proverb that bring oh, proverbs are about wisdom. Right, something that's kind of life related, but then with a Bible principle in there. I've got links to the different podcasts, and I'm going to add more to that. So I encourage you to subscribe to that. When you do subscribe to that, the future thing that I'm working on, I'm considering. I want to know your feedback on this. So if you listen to this episode, let me know via email. If I were to design a Bible course, a small one to start at first, but a simple, just a little Bible course, maybe it's an additional devotional with a little some thoughts or course to it that would what was delivered to you either weekly or daily via email in the future would you read it and allow it to be a help to your devotions would you add that to your plan just something i'm considering i'm doing one myself right now through someone else it's not a christian one it's actually a one about writing but i thought we could turn this into a little course that comes to you every day via email and helps you and comes alongside your devotions and through a different text, maybe Life of David, maybe another one. And so just something to consider. Give me some feedback if you think you could see a vision for that in your future. That's it for this week. Sunday, we are back in Luke chapter 12 in the parables. I'll have a 
podcast back for you on Sunday. Looking forward to that. Have a great week.